Good, good morning and uh, Happy New Year to all of you who are here, all of you who are joining us online. 2023, it's an amazing thing. I, seems like I just went through Y2K, but that was almost a quarter century ago. Uh, but it, uh, hey, time, time stops for no man, right? The hands of time continue. Uh, today, since it's a new year, I, I thought maybe we could look at God's word and see a new year from a biblical point of view. Uh, a biblical new year, if you will. And this has a connection really has a connection to what we've been talking about through the Advent season. If you've been with us and uh, you, you have been at even one of the Advent services, you know, we talked about light and dark and we talked about life and, and death. And there's an image, there's an image presented throughout all of scripture uh, of the coming of Jesus that reflected this this idea of light uh, that we talked about through Advent, and in particular, the rising sun. The, the sun, this is a depiction of Jesus. The sun rising, washing away darkness, uh, as it does every morning. And on Christmas Day, just last week, we read a story here. If you weren't here, we read a story to the kids, and it was a lot of fun, and it was about the super scary darkness. Because darkness can be that way. Uh, it, it, if you don't have any light at all, it can be it can be unnerving at times. For the kids, it was called super scary darkness. But what was the great thing about that is the bright light, the bright light that was part of the the story we read, which was Jesus, that took care of the super scary darkness. Biblically, the the priest Zechariah talked about this. So. That's what we, we looked at was Luke chapter 1, Zechariah. He gave this prophecy, and he talked about uh, the super scary darkness, which he referred to as the shadow of death. And that could be super scary. Uh, but Zechariah also talked about the bright light, the coming of Jesus. And he's one of the prophets that said he'll be like the sun rising. And Jesus brought salvation, he brought light, and he brought the light of life. That's what the Gospels tell us. Light and life to overcome all darkness, the shadow of death, and that's our Jesus. Now, light and life, or, or I'll say light and dark, and uh, death and life, these are presented throughout the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, and as we enter a new day, a new month, a new year, let's always be people of light and life. That's we're God's people. You know, Pastor Noah was standing up here and he said, in Christ, in Christ. We, we are uh, people that are in Christ. We are people of light and life. As God's people, let's be that, light and life. God's people have been the people of light and life since the earliest pages of Scripture, which touches on God's new year. When we go back to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, 
we find that it presents this contrast, this contrast of dark and light and death and life, and it does so in a really dramatic fashion. Uh, And I want to read some of it to you. And uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, be it paper, uh, in, in our chapel here, we've got them right in front of you, as a matter of fact. There are Bibles here for everyone. So you can put your finger in the book of Exodus. We're going to be there, and I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 10. So you get there to Exodus chapter 10, and uh, even if you want to use your electronic device, Exodus 10, verses 21 through 23, they say this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky. And total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. God's people... God's people, the Israelites, they were in bondage. And one of their own, this man called Moses, he was sent by God to free them from their slavery. Those keeping the Israelites in bondage and slavery, the Egyptians, what happened to them according to this passage of Scripture? They were put into total darkness, a darkness that could be felt. That that has got to be beyond super scary darkness. Now, the people who were calling out to God, the Israelites, they had light. This passage from Exodus chapter 10, it's it's a record of one, just one of what are called the ten plagues that were brought on Egypt as the ruler of Egypt, the Pharaoh, he refused to release the Israelites from their bondage. Now, God had told Moses, he said, Pharaoh will see wonders. I have given you the power to do. Yet when this power of God was displayed, uh, when there was this wonder that only God could do, the Pharaoh of Egypt would respond by digging in his heels. And he would obstinately refuse to free the Israelites. Ten plagues. Ten plagues. The wonders of God that were brought to Egypt. God God was showing the Pharaoh. First it was water that was turned into blood. Then it was a plague of frogs. And then lice or gnats. Then flies. Then a plague on the livestock of the Egyptians. Then boils on their body. Then hail. Then locust. That was number eight. And the ninth we just read about was darkness. Darkness was this Darkness was the second to last plague. It was the penultimate plague. There was one more to come. And and why? Why why were so many necessary? Well, the the Pharaoh of Egypt, he had experienced them. You'd think maybe after one, something would happen. But early on, those first few plagues, the Pharaoh, evidently he just wasn't impressed. He stood firm. And he was unmoved by the severity that God had brought with these plagues, so more followed. And as the plagues continued, and as they became more severe, the Pharaoh, eh, he would relent. He'd feel a twinge of remorse. The Pharaoh might even promise to let the Israelites go. But 
that was always with the contingency. Oh, well, you got to keep your livestock or you can't take your women. And then ultimately he would just change his mind. No, you're not going to go. And he'd keep a firm hold on these Israelites and he'd keep them enslaved and he'd refuse to let them go. Even after Hale destroyed half the crops of Egypt, then locusts came in and they devoured the other half and the, the people were going to, they were going to be starving. The Pharaoh remained unmoved. He had an unyielding heart. And the unyielding heart of the Pharaoh in the face of such misery, it paints for us a picture. And, and a picture that depicts to us the stubborn hold, the relentless hold that sin brings on a life. Sin brings misery and sin brings pain like the plagues that followed one after another. The distress and the sorrow brought by sin, it, it might result in moments of regret. Perhaps one would feel a brief wave of remorse, but too often, too often, the stubbornness of sin, it keeps hold. It's obstinate like the Pharaoh of Egypt. And it, it leads where? It leads to total darkness. These plagues continued total darkness, a darkness that can be felt. It's this image of sin. And then what's the result? What is the culmination? The final plague, the plague that followed darkness, it was the plague of death. Like sin, the wages of sin is death. It's hard to hear. We don't like it. All are affected by sin because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And like sin, that final plague, that final plague was going to affect everyone, all, because sin affects all. It was going to affect the Egyptians and the Israelites. And, and why was that? If the Israelites had been spared the darkness, and there was light in the places where they lived, and that's what the scripture said. When Egypt was covered with darkness, a darkness that could be felt, they had light. Couldn't the Israelites just sit through this final plague too? No. No, they could not. The wages of sin is death. And the final plague depicts the end. The end because of sin. Now on the one hand, there's the Pharaoh. He refused to acknowledge God. He refused to respond to the wonders of God. He was stuck. He was stuck in his stubbornness, in his rebellion, his obstinacy. And he pictures for us a life of sin. And that Pharaoh and all his people were put into total darkness. But what about the Israelites? On the other hand, we have the Israelites. They're captives. They're in slavery. They're in bondage. And that is another image. It's an image of the incarcerating effects of sin. But the enslaved Israelites, in their circumstance, in their bondage, they had been crying out to God. When the Lord had first appeared to Moses, who was in the scene of the burning bush, he told Moses, I have heard heard the Israelites crying out to me because of their slave drivers. 
and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. The Israelites had been crying out to God in their bondage. They wanted freedom. They desired it. And they called out to God in their misery. And what happened? They saw the light. They saw the light. Now, this final plague was coming. And it would be, it would be the end of the, the plagues. All were going to be affected by it. But God provided a way. God provided a way for those who had cried out to him and saw the light. For those who were, who were following the commands of God, it meant life. God provided a way for them to overcome death. And it all came to fruition in the final plague. And now we're, we're in Exodus chapter 12. And I want to read so we get some good context. I want to cover verses 1 to 14. Touch Verse 23, and then 50 and 51, the closing verses of the chapter. So this is the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. When all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water but roast it over a fire. With the head, legs, the internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is still left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. You are to, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Now verse 23, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. In the final verses, all the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. 
Now this is, this is the dramatic conclusion to, to, to the plagues in Egypt. And in this account, we see all that would be afflicted with the sting of death in their house. All, all would be afflicted unless, unless they heeded the command, the word of God. The stubborn who had refused God, who had been in darkness, they suffered. And death came to their homes. The slaves, the slaves who cried out to God, the captives who saw the light, they too would have met the same fate. But there was a difference. They put themselves under the blood. They put themselves under the blood and under, under, I say, because of the blood of the sacrifice was brushed, it says, on the, their door frames and on the tops and the sides. The blood wasn't put on the floor. The blood wasn't put on the, the threshold to be trampled underfoot. This was the blood over them. It was a, 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 a sign. The blood was a sign, a sign above them, a sign over them. The Lord said the blood is a sign, and it's a sign of protection. It's a sign of salvation. When the Lord saw the blood, he passed over. The slaves, the slaves who saw the light and did what the Lord had asked, they were spared. They were saved that very day. The word of God says that very day they were liberated. They were emancipated. They were released. They were set free. Now this was significant. So significant was this event. God had said to Moses, this month, this month, it, it was called the month of Aviv. It'll be the first month of your year. It, it was springtime, you know, it was beyond the time that we would call New Year. But God said, this is the first month of your year. Now you mark it. You mark it as the first month of your year. You've been saved. You're under the blood. Mark your, your year by it. So significant was this event that God called the Passover that he commanded the Israelites to repeat it, to repeat this Passover meal annually at the start of your year. Make it the beginning of your year. For your new year, prepare to celebrate your salvation. Prepare to share the memorial meal that commemorates your release from bondage. What do we do in our culture? What do we do in our culture at the turning of a year? One year to the next. Is it marked by preparing to celebrate salvation? In the popular culture, how do we enter a new year? Party down, partying. This is, what, this is what typifies a new year in our culture. Host a party, go to a party. Many get dressed in their very best. Hey, they sip cocktails and champagne. They make a lot of noise. So I, I was, last night, Julie said, what is that? I said, it's, it's fireworks, it's midnight, you know, we're, we weren't even keeping track of time. I said, it's midnight. I had to look at my clock. And fireworks are going off. 
People bang pots and pans. They go shoot guns. They throw confetti. They make noise. They make a lot of fanfare. They watch the ball drop in, in Times Square, New York, right? That's been happening for over 100 years. It's a big New Year tradition. The ball that dropped last night, 12-foot diameter geodesic sphere. It weighs almost 12,000 pounds. It, it's covered with 2,688 Waterford crystals, whatever they are, and it's adorned with 32,256 LED lights. And it would not have been New Year for some if they hadn't seen the ball drop. That's our culture. Now listen, it's okay to have fun. We can be fun. It's all right to have fun. It's all right to celebrate a day. You want to celebrate a day? That's fine. You want to celebrate a year? It's okay. Yet look at what God did, though. Look at what God asked. He, he had done something so special, so amazing, so beautiful. He said, mark your year by it. Mark your year by preparing to celebrate your salvation. And remember, remember the sacrifice that was made for you to release you from bondage. And God said, call to mind, you're under the blood. You're under the blood of the lamb. God told Moses, this month is to be the first month of your year. Tell the whole community to celebrate and commemorate. You are saved. You're released. You're liberated. Remember the blood over your door. And remember that blood was a sign. It's a sign of protection. It's a sign of salvation. Remember. Remember when the Lord passed over you. And, and Moses was told, tell it to your kids. When your kids ask, why are you doing this? Because we're saved. And that blood, it was a sign. It was a sign. And the light and the dark. In the life and death, they were assigned to all of it. All of it was assigned. It, it was pointing to the final lamb, the lamb of God. It was pointing to what the lamb of God would accomplish when he came down in the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, God had said to Moses, I have come down to rescue those crying in their misery, the misery of their slavery. God has come down to us. That's what we celebrated last Sunday. God has come down. He's come down as Jesus Christ to rescue those in the slavery of their sin. And all are affected by it. Everyone. There isn't a one of us that has not been affected by sin. Now, some will choose to dig their heels in like the Pharaoh of Egypt. They'll refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the only way. Others, others in their misery, they cry out to God. And God shows them the light. And when they come under the blood of the Lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, what happens? They come from death to life. See, when Jesus Christ gave his life, it was, as if, it was as if that scene in Egypt on that first Passover was taking place again. The Jewish elite 
who had sought to kill Jesus, they were the pharaohs of their time, stubborn, obstinate, in rebellion against God. They saw the wonders of God. They saw the wonders of God. Jesus performing miracle after miracle, giving sight to the blind, making the lame to walk, raising the dead. They saw the wonders of God, refused. That's not God. No. Their hearts were as hard as granite, just like the Pharaoh. So hard, what did they do? They preferred the release of a murderer instead of sparing the innocent Jesus. The followers of Jesus, those who had come to see the light and confess Jesus as Lord, they expressed repentance. They still needed, they still needed ultimate liberation. They still needed salvation from sin. Jesus, Jesus celebrated the final Passover with them. He sat down and he had the meal. And then you know what he did? He fulfilled it. Jesus became their salvation. The perfect, the final Passover sacrifice. Now, now with the blood of the perfect lamb of God over the doorway of a heart, there's a Passover. There's a Passover from death to life. Jesus perfectly did it. He perfectly fulfilled the Passover. And he instituted a memorial meal. It's no longer having to tuck our cloak in our belt and eating in, in haste. He instituted a new memorial meal. We call it communion, the Lord's Supper. Amen. You know, it's the first month of the year. It's a new year. How about we begin by reminding ourselves we're under the blood of the Lamb. Let's begin by celebrating our salvation. Yeah, I know you might have a football game to look forward to later today, tomorrow. You might still have some things to celebrate. You still might have people coming over. That's all right. But while we're here, let's begin the year by reminding ourselves we're under the blood of the Lamb. Let's celebrate our salvation, our liberation from the death sentence of sin. Let's be people of light and life who celebrate and not just not just today at the turn of a new year, but let's celebrate this every day throughout the year and say, this is the day the Lord has made. We began this, th this morning with, this is the day the Lord has made. How about we say, I'll rejoice because of Jesus. I will rejoice because of Jesus and what he's done. We are under the blood of his perfect and his complete once for all sacrifice. It never needs to be repeating. Our celebration as we sit down at the Lord's table, it represents what he did. We represent it with bread and a cup because Jesus died one time for all. Now his sacrifice does not need to be repeated. We don't have to go out and get ourselves a lamb or a goat. We don't need to make a sacrifice. Because his blood paid it all. So, not just at the new year or a new month, but every day, every day, a new life in Christ. We heard that at the open with Pastor Noah sharing the scripture. 
a new life in Christ. Let's celebrate that every single day. His blood paid it all. And we can say, thank you, God. Just give me Jesus. That's all I need. Just give me Jesus. Give me his sacrifice, his sacrifice for me.